Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today we have a power panel. We have industry-leading women from around the world, as usual, and y'all, we're going to talk about the good good today. We're going to talk about what a healthy relationship looks like. Now, I know y'all hear about this all the time, but we never talk about the tips and the tools of how to to establish and maintain healthy relationships. And it's something that we ignore, it's something that we don't like to talk about, but I need y'all to dig deep, I need y'all to listen, and I need y'all to, to, to tune in because we're about to, we're about to unleash some knowledge. So I wanna introduce our first guest. The first guest we have today is Babita Spinelli. Hi, Babita. Hi. Can you tell the world who you are and what you do? Of opening the door psychotherapy and Babita Spinelli group. My uh, practice is global and I really focus on relationships, the relationship to ourselves, the relationship to others, whether that's personal or work. Some of my specialty areas include narcissism, high conflict relationships, that includes infidelity, addiction, emotional abuse, as well as physical abuse, um, life transition work, so divorce is another specialty area of mine, blended families, um, as well as um, the connection to the relationships with regard to the impact it has on the workplace, meaning it could be a narcissistic boss, it could be a situation at work which ends up being very challenging um, and really imposes on our self-esteem. So those are just some of the areas that I work in. You just said something that I want you to hit on. You talked about the relationship to ourselves. Can you elaborate on that for us? Absolutely. Oftentimes when we think about relationships, we think about the external ones. We don't really think about our relationship to how do we feel about certain things? What do we want and need? What's meaningful for us? What are the ways we want to, uh, how do we want to show up? How do we love ourselves? And part of the relationship to ourselves is looking at those things and loving ourselves, although people think it's really cliche, is really about are we making healthy decisions and choices for ourselves? That is the relationship to ourselves. Part of making those healthy decisions and choices in the relationship to ourselves is our own internal boundaries. And I'm not just talking about the external boundaries, which is important too when we look at relationship to others, but our internal boundaries, are we checking in? Are we violating our own sacred internal covenant about our own either self-respect, about our own desires, maybe our own inner critics? Are we like violating our inter own internal boundaries? Are we accommodating beyond what our own feelings are? So that's what I mean by relationship to ourselves. And then I wanna ask you, what inspired you to go down this path because it is a deep path and i think a lot of people don't understand why we really need to work on relationships or even family therapy or psychotherapy i think the word psychotherapy scares people so can you just break that down a little bit as to what got you on this path and what exactly it means and why people need to tap into it more absolutely so i'll, I'll share a little bit of uh, my story and i always say stories are important right to give people connection and perspective um, this is a second career for me 
I started off um, being an attorney. I went to law school. Um, and then I forged my way, went through law school. And when I was in corporate America, I was in like a big four consulting firm. I ended up on Wall Street as an executive. And I kept thinking, I'm not really quite happy. I was successful, but it didn't quite feel fulfilled, right? So boom, one relationship to myself. What am I doing that I felt like I should be doing versus what I wanted to be doing? Um, I ended up seeing a psychotherapist and, you know, culturally that's a big stigma, right? Being a therapist. I think my family's still reconciling the fact that I've switched careers. So um, I saw a therapist um, and I was really stuck. I was also struggling in my personal relationship. You know, do I stay? Do I go? Um, it, it was really difficult for me. And my therapist basically handed me a bunch of books and said, have you thought about being a therapist? Plus, you should really think about your relationship too at the same time. So I went into that place of saying, what do I want to do? And I ended up going back to school, doing my psychoanalytic training. And I started to really lean into the relationship to me and uncovering my own cobwebs, going into that scary, scary place that I kind of swept away for a while and did some deeper, deeper work on myself because I realized if I'm going to do this, I need to understand the relationship to myself better. I need to make sure that I'm not repeating because we repeat what we don't repair. And then I decided this is what I want to do and I want to serve my clients in this way. It's interesting because you talked about the stigma and we were talking about that off camera. It's, it's real in our communities is that we don't talk about that and we just go through generation and generation and generation. And you also talked about doing what's not in alignment, not being fulfilled in what you're doing. And I think a lot of women, especially in our entrepreneurial world, we see women in their second and third careers because they realize that they did what they were told to do and not what they wanted to do. And I think that leads to the pattern of unhealthy relationships, you know, because you're unhappy. Therefore, everything that you're touching is sometimes you're blame, you know, blame, the resentment. And ultimately, it's it's us being able to say, OK, I have the right to do what I want to do and not what everybody else expects me to do. Yeah, exactly, because there are so many expectations out there and we absorb all of that messaging and it's often generational. It often stems from our roots, all of those messages, right? So it goes into also where, where's the community we're coming from? Are we coming from a place, a community of scarcity? So then we feel like it's abundance if we show up in a certain way or choose a certain profession, etc. So I think there's so much there around that stigma and expectations. And I think working through those can really take you to such a powerful place, but we have to lean into the discomfort in order to do it, which will then bring those healthy relationships our way. Absolutely. Discomfort, key word there, y'all. Discomfort. You got to embrace it because that's your answer to happiness and freedom. Thank you so much. And we're going to circle right back around to you. So I want to introduce Sandra Cheney. And Sandra, can you tell the world who you are and what you do? Certainly. Thank you for having me. I am Sandra Cheney, and I first like to say I'm a conqueror of domestic violence, sexual assault, and uh, sex trafficking, by the way. And, uh, and I say that because the sex trafficking piece is something I finally am healing from. So I'm, 
I feel free to say that now. And I am a certified transformational coach. I'm a best-selling author of seven books, as well as a nonprofit and grant strategist. Sorry, I was writing all your accomplishments. I got busy. Um, <laughs> so can you tell everyone, you know, how you have, first of all, conquered all of that and turned it around, you know, as my slogan, turn your pain into power. Mm -hmm. uh, you're an example of that. I think a lot of people are so uneasy talking about what they've been through because they might not be on the other side of it. But we need to to embrace the journey and, and let people understand that it's okay to go ahead and start start speaking now. And and even to hear you say that, you know, you're now healing and able to recognize, you know, the the um, label, you know, because I think a lot of us don't even associate with labels. You know, we, we hear something we're like, mm -hmm. oh, no, that's not what I went through because it sounds worse. <laughs> But I want you to, to talk about your yes. story and how it ties into healthy relationships and tap on your keyword of boundaries. Yes. So I grew up in a household. My father was abusive. He was an alcoholic. So to piggyback on what Babita said, it was generational. <laughs> my grandfather was abusive and an alcoholic. So was my dad. And I grew up like that, not realizing that that was wrong. I, it didn't dawn on me that that's not what love looked like. So I really didn't have a clue. And you know what they say, a girl usually marries her dad. Well, that's what I did. I married my father and had a, well, even prior before that, I left home at 17 because I was so over the abuse and so over the chaotic life that I left home into the arms of someone who was a pimp. And I did not know that. It was because I was searching for something, which is how I ended up in the sex trafficking world. And I, I'm, I'm able to talk about it now because, as you said before, it was a stigma. There was no way I was going to share that because I ended up going to jail. I got arrested. Uh, but that was a good thing because I actually solicited an undercover cop. So that began my journey of really figuring out who I am and what I wanted because I had a praying grandmother. She prayed me up out of New York. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And so she prayed me up out of Brooklyn to Washington, D.C. because she felt like I got lost in the world somewhere. I ended up going to Morgan State, um, getting the engineering degree. And I didn't like it. Like it was, that was not my world, but I needed to do something in order to begin this path of figuring out what I wanted to do. And so I, I did that. I ended up going to IBM. So I was in corporate America for many, many years. How I discovered that something wasn't right was I was bored on my job. I was really bored on this job. And a friend suggested I work at a bedded women's shelter. That is where I discovered that I've been an, a victim of domestic violence. Before that, I did not know that. And I was in my late 20s, about to hit 30 at this point. I had no idea that that's what I was in. No one told me. I just thought it was normal for women to, you know, to be in a relationship where, you know, it's verbal, it's abusive. I hit him, he hit me. You know, it was normal. That was my world. And so that began the awakening for me, but it was also traumatic for me. Because now I have, I'm having to unlearn every single thing. And now I'm a single parent who brought a child into this, who saw all these issues. 
And so I'm asking God at this point, because that's all I know to do, what am I going to do now? My only recourse was to commit or attempt to commit suicide because I felt like my son doesn't deserve this. This is not for me. The world is better off without me. Well, as you can see, I'm still sitting here, thank God. That journey helped me to get where I am now because I lived in Virginia for a while. And in Virginia, when you, and I think anywhere, but especially in Virginia, they actually will not send you home. They sent me to this like beautiful healing place. And I stayed there for 30 days. And in that process, I began counseling. And that's how I got to where I am now because of counseling, years of counseling, years of counseling to discover who I am. And as Babita said, that relationship with myself, I had to find out who I am and set the boundaries of no more relationships. Cause I said, until I heal, I don't want to be in another relationship because this isn't good for me or for my son. And so this, the therapy is what really helped me to get where I am. I love corporate America. I went into the nonprofit world because I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be, helping other women who are like me because it, it, I was drawn to it. And so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now with the nonprofit world, the transformational piece of it. And I became a certified domestic violence trainer because I wanted to help faith-based organizations who have women sitting in their churches who are hurting and the churches don't know what to do with them. Because that right there is also an issue when you got spirituality and you got domestic violence and you got somebody telling you to just pray it away. I have an issue with that. <laughs> so. Sorry, I was screaming on mute. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And, and you know, I try not to be disrespectful because I'm like, I accept prayer. But, you know, we have to take action, too, because, mm -hmm. you know, prayer without works is dead. So yes. no matter what you believe, you are absolutely right. And you said something that was profound. You said you didn't even know that you were abused. And that mm -mm. is what my goal is, is so many people don't know that they are in bad situations. Certain people don't even know. And I see Babita shaking her head like, absolutely. You know, and, and it's hard to talk about generational curses and, and the things that, and you, you even talked about like uh, alcoholism. You know, they didn't call it that. You know, they did no. not call it that. You know, and that's the thing. And even PTSD, you know, my mom had PTSD in the 80s and they called it bipolar. And it's like, wait a minute, there's a name for something for people that have trauma that weren't in war and the, the disassociation and then the, the misdiagnosis and then the lack of treatment and all that. And so here you are trying to be a woman, trying to raise a child, and you don't even know that you're traumatized. No, <laughs> no. And what's interesting is at, when I was at IBM, they said to me that I was militant because I was... I didn't know, I really didn't know that I was in an abusive, abusive relationship. I honestly didn't know, but they labeled me as militant and an angry black woman. Ooh. And that was not the case at all. Yeah, that's why I had to leave my case. job. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the case. And it wasn't until I went to the shelter and I realized, oh no, I'm not angry. I just got some issues I have to deal with. And I, I didn't know how to communicate that. Yep. I didn't know how to do that. So yes. 
and you are like so many other women and I'm an angry black woman call it whatever you want I'm a smart black woman I am a strong woman period it doesn't matter what color it is or what color my wig yes. is today I am fierce <laughs> <laughs> and that's just it but I, I agree with what you said because when I quit my last job my boss called me a B and that was Ooh. like that <laughs> I was like and thank God I had a praying woman in, in the office with me and she was like Anika I was like I can't go to jail. I used to work as a correction officer. I'm not ready to be on the other side, but it's disrespect on so many levels. And yes. it's, it's people being afraid of your resilience. People are intimidated by strength. And, and that's the stigma and, and the, the issue that we really have to break because we're not going to stop being strong. We're not going to stop being no. resilient. We're just going to teach right. other people how to be like us. Yes. And right. I was strong. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had to be. I was the mm -hmm. oldest child. So I took on everything in my family. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, that was who mm -hmm. I was. But they didn't see it that way. They no, because you're way. a threat. You're a threat to, you know, people. Strong women are threats. And so we just need to call it that. Call it what you want. And we're going to keep being a threat. So whatever. So um, thank you. We're going to circle right back around to you. But I want Rebecca to introduce herself to everyone. Rebecca Randolph, y'all. Hi, I'm Rebecca Randolph, and I am um, the owner of the Santosha Way. It's a coaching business. I'm a law of attraction lifestyle coach, and I really I help people create the life that they want to wake up and live. And that starts with loving yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, then you are creating relationships with people that are um, not loving because you're not loving yourself. You can't, you, you're, you're going to attract on the level that you are is, is basically what I teach. So, um, I want to know where you came up with the name of your business. Cause even the first time you said it, I had to look at it and say, what is that? So tell us the story. Okay. So Santosha is a Sanskrit word and it is the perfect state of being. Santosha is this beautiful place of I am satisfied exactly where I am right now in life and I am excited for what's coming next because it's an understanding that no matter what this world looks like it's actually a very safe place to be you know it actually is and things actually are always working out for you just like as as earlier um was it Sandra was arrested it's like, oh no, but actually that's the best thing that could happen. You know, that led you to the next place, that led you to the next place, to this beautiful unfolding. So Santosha is this wonderful balance of I love this moment so much, and I know that whatever's coming next is going to be great too. So, And, and really, um, my, my past, my past comes from a background of I didn't love myself. I... I literally picked myself apart, um, extremely, extremely critical. I was never going to be good enough, and um, I, I created a life with someone who was equally where I was in their own way, you know. We each had our own crappy childhood traumas. And so we hooked up together and we created a nightmare of a family. Um, I already had a daughter and we raised three children together. We, we had three children as well. So there were four children actually. And it took 
a long time, there was a lot of abuse and a lot of nastiness. And um, it took a long time to work through all of that. And coming out on this other side of it, though, is where I can stand and say, we created it together. He didn't do that to me. We did that together. We made a mess together. But no guilt, no shame. Because you didn't know what you didn't know. You're exactly where you are right now. You're on the leading edge of time. You're the oldest you've ever been. This is the longest you've ever lived. So like, you have to start right now and you have to say, okay, no guilt, no shame. It is what it is. It was what it was. And because of what it was, I now know what I want. I now know I want to be loved. I want someone to treat me nice. Ooh, that means I got to treat myself nice. That means I got to be good to myself. I got to love myself. I got to appreciate my body. I got to, you know, and, and so that's where I, that's where I come from. I come from that place. My ex-husband and I can now sit with our children who are in counseling and therapy from the trauma that they've experienced. And we can say, you know, I, I actually was able to open the door to more healing by saying, hey, looking at him and just saying, hey, look, we created a mess. It's okay. Like, we didn't know better. We were doing our best. We both came from brokenness ourselves. So let's move on and let's fix these kids, you know. And that opened up healing for, I think, everybody on a new level, especially my ex-husband. So really all it takes is the one person. And women, we have all the magic. We have all the power. We're raising the children. We can sway the hearts of any man. So when our women start loving themselves, then they're going to teach the children to love themselves. And then it's just going to ripple out, you know. That's that's what, yeah. yeah. Thank you, because I think that's the revelation that so many people have, and I think a lot of people struggle with how. You know, I was talking yesterday with someone, and I said, you know, we see all these things like mindfulness, you know, self-love, self-awareness. You know, I teach emotional intelligence, and, you know, we, we talk about self-awareness and awareness of others, and people are like, but how? You know, but how? But you just literally broke it down. So many of us... I, I was just sitting here thinking like normalized trauma. It's not normalizing trauma, but it's acknowledging that we all experience trauma and it's a matter mm -hmm. of what we do with it. And the sooner that we can deal with it, the sooner we can heal, the sooner that we can grow, the sooner that we can flourish. And you got so many people that are just so resistant to acknowledge what they've experienced. Many people know. I mean, you've seen that commercial when people say something in the way that they say it and you're like, oh, snap, they're talking to me, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah. you talk about the fact that you can open the door to healing. I like that. You said that. Mm -hmm. And you also said nightmare of a family and made a mess together. And I don't know who can't get that. I got that. So I just want to thank you because it takes some it takes special people to say, OK, yeah, I'm going to be the change. And, and we need more of that. And so many people don't understand why would they need counseling, why they need coaching. And I tell everybody they need both because you need somebody to hold your hand and walk with you. The difference between a therapist is that they're going to acknowledge, recognize, you know, what the issues are, where, you know, what, what you need to fix. But the coaches have that availability to help you implement and execute the plan. And so I, I thank you for what you're doing. And, and all of you guys have recognized the importance of counseling, which I think this is the first time I've had everybody unanimously say that because 
you know, for me, I became a therapist because I had very bad experiences with therapists and people put a lot of trust into professionals and, and really put a lot of emphasis on what they say. And when things are misconstrued or presented in a negative way, that impacts us negatively and not just us, but our generations, our legacy, because then you have a poor perception of help. So I like the way that you phrase that and I like that you acknowledge, you know, your past. Well, you know, and honestly, when I was going through, when, when we were in the middle of the violence, I had gone to a therapist and she, oh, she spoke truth to me, but it was not, I was not ready to hear it. And she said, you realize you're part of the problem, don't you? And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> when did I ever ask for any of that? Like, I didn't deserve that. No, no, no. But it planted the seed and it planted the seed for it to blossom and for me to later say, how, how am I part of the problem? Oh, wait a minute. I don't love myself and I don't let other people love me either because I'm teaching them how to love me. And when I don't love myself, how are they supposed to love me? You know, it just, so, so the, the immediate, like when I heard that, I just kind of wanted to shut her down and I did. And I, but it sat there. It was so, um, out of place compared to where I was that it just rubbed and rubbed and rubbed until I finally was like, okay, I'm willing to hear how am I part of the problem? And that's how you become part of the solution is when you start realizing, okay, here's how I can change. Here's how I can be different. Absolutely. And, and you're right, because I think sometimes we have to, you know, as professionals, we have to meet our clients where they're at, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's the key, you know, because it does take time. And, you know, if mm -hmm. you can, if you're too aggressive, then it can definitely ripple. Um, but, you know, it's that, that um, good cop, bad cop scenario. You know, because there's truth in everything that anybody says. And that's what we have to be willing to accept and be open to, to transcribe because there's a message in it and, and we got to be ready to hear it. And even if we hear it, we may not be ready to work on it quite yet, but we do not forget it. Right. Right. All right. So Cassandra, can you introduce yourself to the world? Tell them who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, thank you for having me. My name is Cassandra Wiley, and I am the owner and founder of Have Faith and Live Well of Chasada LLC. And I am a health coach. Um, and basically, my focus is empowering individuals that with chronic illnesses to um, make behavior changes to live better lives. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with prediabetes and high cholesterol. And so I decided to um, make some changes with my diet and exercise. And I was able to reverse both of them without going on the pharmaceutical track. Because if a lot of people um, know that they can do that beforehand and they can avoid a lot of things. And um, about last year, I received my health coaching certification before I was working as a chemist. And I was finding that you could be on a job and then if there's any type of reorganization, then you're laid off or if it's contract, the contract will end. And I kept seeing this repeatedly. And so back in 2013, I had started a health and wellness club when I, my son was diagnosed with autism. 
and the rabbit hole. I did, and I didn't know what autism was at that time, so I just started doing research. The rabbit hole got deep, 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 deeper, and that's how the blog started. And then I decided to say, hey, I wish I could make a career out of this. So then I discovered health and wellness coaching, and I was accepted into the program, and I finished last August, but unfortunately before um, my first husband passed away of uh, June before I finished, but I decided I'm going to finish the program and because it was it was kind of sudden i mean he he was he had always been in bad health but i didn't expect him to just die suddenly i mean he was in the hospital for five days and then two days later he come he comes home and then two days later he dies it was just very sudden and so i mean he had he had um, he had congestive heart failure he had diabetes so that's another reason why too i, I wanted to continue to inform people, to let people know, hey, you, you can do something about your health before it's too late. And I did go through grief counseling. I, you know, it was very helpful to really look at my life. And uh, the hardest part was just being a single mom with an autistic child and just not really knowing what to do because um, my first husband was a stay-at-home dad, so I never heard, had to worry about daycare. So it was hard to find daycare. And then um, I couldn't stay on my job because I couldn't work a 40-hour week, you know, but they kind of understood, but at the same time, I knew that they wanted me to work a 40-hour week, which I could not because of my son, who is the most important thing in, in my life, so no job comes before my child, and I ended up, it's just funny because <laughs> I ended up remarrying recently to a guy I dated in high school. It, it started with just... I, I would not have seen that coming for the life of me. I'm married to somebody I met 20 years ago. It's funny how life works in cycles. It is just crazy. And it's what's the most funny is that he was the guy that I didn't think I deserved. He was the guy that was responsible and I wanted the bad boys. And I picked the hard road instead of the right road. And but as we grow and mature, you know, life has a way of catching up. And, and when we're ready, we make the right choices. So it's funny how you say that because I keep hearing things like that. And, and I, I listen to loss and grief make you different. And so does your health and, and you know, diagnosis of our children. You know, we're more apt to make changes for, our, for others, especially our children, than we are for ourselves. And it kind of takes, you know, some of these things, unfortunately, to get us on the right track. Like there's always something that motivates coaches to be a coach. And that's why on here I'd love to talk about the past and the history and the aha moments because everybody just talks about what we do. But they're like, well, why should I listen to you? How do you know what I'm going through? And that's why I love to talk about what we go through because it's insight, it's knowledge, it's wisdom. And experience is the best teacher. You know, we, we all can do the research all day long, but being able to apply what we learn to everyday life and then help other people do it, um, that's why we do what we do. So I thank you. And, and every time you say chemist, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, so smart. It's just because the only chemistry I do now is mixing my essential oils. So I praise you <laughs> for what you do. That's and great. I found the recipe yesterday. I bought another set because I ran out and I was like, oh, it's got home cleaning solutions and laundry and all this stuff. But I'm also 
dibbling and dabbling because of my my son's autism and my daughter's um, conversion disorder. So now I'm starting to be more health conscious, knowing that we were diagnosed with celiac years ago and I got lazy, you know, and so, you know, whenever I hear people like you, I'm like, that's accountability. That's God tapping on my brain saying, uh-huh, somebody's watching. Right. Yeah, I'm mindful of what I uh, cook too because of my son and also my husband has a gluten allergy. So, yep, I'm mindful. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to come back to you. I want Bree to introduce herself and then we can open up the floor. Anika, thank you so much for having me on. Can I just say I didn't want to come off mute because I really have to honor the amazing women that you have on this panel. So many gems, so many good nuggets, and I hope everyone is able to receive. But um, if I could just share a little bit about myself. Hello, everyone. I am Bree Carroll. I am the host of Hearts and Stripes podcast that focuses on strengthening military marriages. I am a civil engineer. Um, that is my nine to five. And, you know, after hours, you know, we, we do a whole lot. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, B. Carroll Events. I actually, I don't want to call it a pivot. I want to call it a answer to the call. I've since transitioned and I have now accepted the title of being the military marriage coach because helping to see strong marriages in this military culture is something that I am super passionate about. I had the opportunity or that push to make that final decision as I was named the 2020-2021 Armed Forces Insurance Air Force Spouse of the Year with my platform of strengthening military marriages. And I am the founder and creator of a new holiday, which you may not know about, August the 14th, Military Marriage Day. So all of that has come full circle. Like I mentioned, I have a background in engineering um, and I love to hear the chemist. And, and even if you didn't like your engineering degree, it is okay. I love that the brilliance and, and our story is kind of just charting a path to build us to find connection points with one another and also to open our minds as to a greater way to serve on a higher level. You ladies have said some amazing things and I can totally relate to them in my story. The reason why I was excited and attracted to this panel when we're talking about healthy relationships is because I struggled with having healthy relationships all my life. It started off I guess I was more aware of it when I discovered that my father was being unfaithful to my mom. And this is me being a nosy teenager going through my father's phone and seeing information that completely floored me. Not only was I the person that found the information, he gave the burden to me to tell my mother about it. So that kind of just this super hero per dad that I have, because I'm a daddy's girl, um, that kind of rip that first image of what a healthy relationship looked like because before the blinders was on and I didn't even see some of the things we talked about generational things. I didn't even see some of the things that were happening right in my own home. Moving forward through college and high school, I stumbled in and out of unhealthy relationships, one of which that left me having an abortion alone. And then the, the, the tipping point, I know we, we, we talked to someone who, who shared about her, uh, her situation with abuse. I found myself in a two-bedroom apartment in, in Texas, an apartment that I paid for being strangled by a man that I said that I was going to marry. 
that's when I hit rock bottom. This was not the plan that I knew that I had for myself. I knew there was more for me out there. And I realized in that moment that I was out of compliance with the plan. We talked about self-love and, and I really want to hit on that again. I, there was something that I learned in going through all of this, that it is okay to be self-first versus being selfish. It's not the same thing. And until you prioritize yourself, you'll never put yourself in a position to where you can truly heal and be able to show up for yourself first before you can show up for any relationship. In having that abusive relationship Thankfully, the Lord removed, <laughs> removed him from that situation by way of incarceration, funny enough. And I was in what I call my desert season in Texas. And I went through a journey of self-care, of reading. I love how in the conversation earlier, you talked about not just prayer, but the coupling of prayer and knowledge together, which can push you through to the next level. Um, Rebecca said it as well when I was only able to attract at the level that I was. So in that journey, I continued to grow without even knowing it. I was attracting my husband who happens to be the handsomest Air Force pilot. Um, and we actually met and married shortly along that after I had started that journey. Um, and it was amazing to me to see what a healthy relationship looks like. Because like you said, Anika, I was attracted to the bad boy. The gentleman I was in an abusive relationship, he too was a pimp. He too was was a gangster and told me, but I felt like because he told me the truth about his past, it was okay. And I could help heal the things and the situations because I could be the difference and I could help him make the change. And the reality is you have to want to help yourself and change yourself. So you have to start with self. That's why I say self first. So I love my marriage. I am a huge advocate for marriage. If, if anyone is single out there and is not sure, let me be the person that just gets you excited for what may be in your future. If that's something you desire, I have seen marriages do amazing things in my life. One, to be on a team and aligned with someone that is unmatched. When you are in alignment with your partner, when you have good communication, when you are forced to practice kindness, let's talk about that. Relationships do that for you. And not just in marriage relationships, because although I do strongly advocate for marriage, it's something that you practice at home, maybe in your marriage, but you also have to take outside, outside of those four walls and do in your business. As an entrepreneur, I love that everyone on here um, has their own business. This is a culture and a practice that you also have to take out with your subordinates and those who are over you as well. Practices of kindness and ways to respect one another, doing things in love, even though you've had a really bad day. Um, there's just different things that we can exercise in our relationships, which are in our inner circle or those closer um, 
parameters like your marriage or your children and you get to utilize them out into the world because I really feel like when it comes to marriage specifically that our marriage is blessed the two people in it but really everyone in the community is blessed in the overflow of what you do right in your relationship and I say the same thing when it comes to just a family unit when a family unit whatever that looks like for you maybe that could be you and your siblings that could be you and your spouse that could be you and your child, the, the, the good things that are grown and the harvest that comes out of that healthy relationship with the people that are closest to you can pour out into your community. Now you can show up and serve in the areas of the community that there's a need and your heart is being pulled towards because you are now whole and you're able to show up in a new way. This is an amazing conversation, an amazing panel, and I thank each and every one of these ladies on here for sharing. I love it. Babita, all everybody is just, I'm learning as I'm sitting here listening. It's, it's great. Thank you. And we're going to hit on all that because you talked about kindness, which is first on my list. But I want to go to Babita and ask her if there's anything that she wants to add to the conversation. And then we're going to go to Bree, uh, to Rebecca after that. Yes, absolutely. So I just want to piggyback on what some of the other amazing women on this um, panel just said in terms of this. We've all had some version of not knowing what is healthy. Um, and that for many women, the not knowing what is healthy um, sort of has stems from a lot of their childhood. So their inner child that they take with them everywhere is still struggling. Um, in those wounds and until those are unpacked and really looked at um, and understood, it's hard then to get to that place to, to attract that healthy relationship because you're still sitting with the wounds of your inner child, wondering, not knowing what's you know healthy. Um, sometimes there's a barometer that's really needed to say, what does healthy look like? I think especially when you come from a place of trauma, whether there's been childhood sexual abuse, it's very distorted. There's a lot of dissociation. Um, there's a lot of fear. Um, you've never really learned what that means. You've been introduced to unhealthy spaces um, and unhealthy ways of what intimacy really is um, so early on. And so it is a, a significant and important to sort of realize that we need to have some awareness around what is unhealthy first. And I think with the clients that I work with, they may not even be coming to me for relationship work. They might come to me saying, I'm transitioning out of this job and I see you did the same thing. And then as we're working through stuff, it starts to come out that they're in a very unhealthy relationship. When someone is in a relationship that they kind of sense is unhealthy, but they don't realize they're actually with someone who's a narcissist, um, and that this person is so controlling, it may not even be about physical abuse, but the emotional abuse and manipulation has taken such a toll, they don't even know how to love themselves. They don't even know what's healthy. That has been their norm for so long. Maybe they also had a narcissistic parent, and so again, the child in them carries that with them, keeps going, and boom, until they're sitting in front of a coach or a therapist saying, do you, 
let's just check in on this. Are you recognizing that what you are describing is actually abusive or what you're, what you're describing is you're in a relationship with a narcissist or what you're describing, you know, is emotional um, manipulation. And so I think those are those aha moments and we each have this role that we, we partake in the work that we do to help our clients start with even that awareness and what healthy really is and helping to define that for them. And then they can start to apply it in their life. I'm taking notes again. Absolutely. And that's why I named this, what does a healthy relationship look like? Because so many times, you know, we're just out here and we're blogging and we're doing all this. And I, you know, I'm always reading blogs. I'm always Googling things, but I find that they're, they don't give you the tools or the tips. So I want you to, uh, Babita, can you give us just a few tidbits about a healthy relationship? Like, you know, uh, Bree just said something about communication, which is the key. And I have learned that I'm not going to put a gender out there, but communication comes in different forms. People have different forms of communication. People have different levels of communication. And even speaking about military, they're trained to communicate differently. And I swear I got knocked upside my head because I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, but can you just talk about what a few things about a healthy relationship because I guarantee you you'll say a few words and somebody's going to be like aha mm -hmm. yes okay so I'll snapshot a few things I think um going back to boundaries one critical piece around healthy relationships is where do my feelings begin and end where, do, where does this person's feelings begin and end and can we talk about it in a way where we feel safe and held not judged not criticized, not ridiculed, not labeled, where we can sit down and say, this is how I feel about something. They can actively listen. They can share what they're feeling in a very vulnerable way. And then you can co-create a space with each other, or they can understand where you're coming from and say, okay, I get it. I got you. I understand. I hear you. So I think the first thing is what does it mean to be able to have boundaries so you recognize your own feelings? And how do we then go back and have uh, communicate that in our relationship? I think part of going back to boundaries, which is um, unhealthy, which will help us understand healthy, is what are our deal breakers? So are we recognize that in a healthy relationship, a deal breaker would, of course, we've got the stuff that's, of course, anything that's, you know, physical abuse, but the emotional abuse is also a deal breaker, not a healthy relationship. Is this person making me shrink? Do I feel small? Do I not realize that I'm afraid? I have fear to actually express what I'm feeling. If I'm excited about something, am I shut down? Am I isolated from other people? In a healthy relationship, those things don't happen. In a healthy relationship, your partner encourages and supports you. They really are that person that is your cheerleader. And I'm not saying things don't get messy and people don't get into, you know, disagreements. It, it happens. But there is an understanding that this person has my back. We are a unit. We are a team. We are strong whether it comes to anything around maybe dysfunctional family spaces, whether it even comes to the past, 
they a healthy relationship is they understand and they get it and they don't make you feel like your past is something to be ashamed of so now let's go into the other aspect of a healthy relationship a healthy relationship is you don't sit in this consistency of your shame and i bring this up because i'm really writing a piece on this around shame and relationships and if there is shame you feel you can speak to it and be vulnerable with your partner and vice versa or they want to ask you about it they're curious about it and they don't make you feel shamed about your shame um and you know i'm going to just bring one more in and then open it up to everybody else but in a healthy relationship when you feel like you are struggling let's say even things are coming up you are you know your parents right there's a lot that's going on this person is there to say what do we do together let's make space for that or if you initiate that they can come in and come in and co-create with you if it's not a good time if someone is stressed out that happens because i'm not saying that things are perfect healthy relationships don't mean they're necessarily perfect how right we're all like no no we're in relationships no not exactly however they understand or you can work with them on saying we need some help here let's go to a professional because something's going on we're not connecting right now we've got the kids we've got work we need to figure out what we need to do or they can say i want to work with you on this this may not be the right time can we talk about it tomorrow or the day after so i think in a healthy relationship they know when something needs help or they know when they might need to circle back to you because they need to take some space but they will circle back to you they will not leave you hanging so that's just a little snapshot and i know there's a lot there but i know the rest of these amazing women are going to touch on other places or pieces around this I'm just going to run down some of the things that you said, because in the very beginning, when you first started talking, you mentioned safety, you know, safe space. You said space and you said safety. And then you said them simultaneously, active listening, co-create, understand boundaries, communication, shrinkage. Shrinkage is so real because strong women dummy down for the world. We dummy down in relationships. We dummy, 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 dummy. Let me say that word a few more times. Dummy down, dummy down, dummy down. Stop dummying down. She said it. It's shrinkage. Um, understanding, boundaries, communication, fear, isolation, shut down. I know too often when things are shut down, you can have an idea, you can have something, and it's shut down. And I say all the time, that is a form of disrespect. Um, encouragement. If... <laughs> You're not being encouraged, and, and, and y'all, I'm speaking about stuff that's not just intimate partners, so let's just clarify. We love to talk about relationships. We love to talk about relationships, but y'all, this is, this is people in your life because I've literally had to cut off friends for 15 years, 20 years. I have let people go, especially in my entrepreneurial journey because they have something to say about what my choices are, and my thing is you can make your own choices, and you can choose to stay in the same place and do what you do does not mean that you have to dummy down my ideas or disrespect my ideas. So just know that what we're talking about is universal. This is not just intimate. Um, support. I just had a panel on creating a sustainable uh, support system. Everybody needs support. And if you're not being supported in your relationship, which should be first, 
That should be the first person, your biggest cheerleader, as Babita just said. If you don't have that, and if you don't have a partner that knows how to be an, a team player, that knows that you are a unit and that you are ride or die, then you might need to be asking some questions. So those are just a few things that she said. Also, generational curses, abuse, wounds, not knowing what healthy looks like, the inner child, attraction, barometer slash thermostat, because I always say thermostat, um, disassociation, unhealthy spaces, intimacy, and freedom. So I want to open up the floor because she just hit on all of that and the conversation is real, y'all. And that's what it needs to be. It needs to be a conversation and it doesn't just need to be occasional. This needs to be all the time. And so I want um, to open up the floor. Thank you, Babita. Um, I want to open up the floor to the other ladies and see, you know, what, what say you on what we just said. Yeah, I love what Babita was just saying. And if I could just also piggyback and add to the list of what you were saying, she also said, we repeat what we don't repair. She said that earlier. that earlier. Yes. And it was really good and really profound and something that kind of stuck with me. But as she was talking, another thing she mentioned was vulnerability. And Brene Brown has this quote, and it kind of goes like, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, create creativity, and change. And I, and I, when I heard her mention vulnerability and we're talking about not just intimate partner relationships, we're talking about just overall healthy relationships. Think about in your workspace, in your family, um, in your business, um, as you're going through life, do you feel like you can be vulnerable with the different people in these different relationships? And if not, there may not be healthy relationships there, which is why you have a blockage in your creativity, which is why you don't feel like you can innovate, which is why you may feel like you cannot change and, and grow in the way that, that you want to do. That shrinkage part was huge as well. I think that talks to that not being able to grow. And one of the things that can really help with creating a place where we feel vulnerable just to be ourselves, I think is a coupling of love and kindness. There are ways for you to be honest with someone where you're still saying it in love and you're still being kind because it is, it is better to be kind and tell someone the truth, something that they may not want to hear, but they have a better way of receiving what you're saying when you're coupling it with love and kindness. So I think those are the two things that I would really just foot stop when it comes to creating a space um, for people to be vulnerable in different relationships so that they can have healthy relationships, which a sign of those healthy relationships are that, that innovation, that creativity, and that growth or change. That's right. And Rebecca wanted to tap on something that was said earlier, and I'm sure she probably has something else by now. So go ahead, Rebecca. I do. This is so yummy, this conversation. Um, so I wanted to talk about the putting our children before us. That was a thing for me. I kept saying, I want to heal myself. I want to work on myself so I can be a better mother, so I can teach my children. That's important. However, I was uh, just lively, has a lively show podcast. And she, I was in one of her classes and she said, Rebecca, if you're doing this for your kids, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're going to do it for you. So as a mom, if I'm not doing it for me, all I'm doing is teaching my children, hey, when you grow up and go work on yourself, you're doing it for your spouse, you're doing it for your kids, you're doing it for 
No, you got to do it for you because you love yourself so much, which is why you have those good boundaries, which is why you say, hey, this is how I love me. And, and a healthy relationship is a person who, when they love themselves, when they are able to say, you know what, I'm tired and I'm taking the night off. Like this, we're not going to do our normal. Like when there's enough respect that each person can stand in so much love for themselves because, um, oh, Bree said overflow. You, you, you love on everyone around you from your overflow, which means you love yourself, you honor yourself, you hold your boundaries, you say, what does Rebecca want today? Because if it is not a win-win, it is not a win. If, if, if you don't have, you know, if you're not able to say, I'm putting a boundary up here, and it can be simple, you know, oh, hey, can you do this? Can you grab this? Actually, no, I can't. My schedule's full today. I cannot add that in. I would be happy to do it if it was, you know, if I could, but I can't, you know, I'm sorry. You're setting a boundary. It doesn't have to be a, a, a big deal. You just honored yourself and said, I don't have time to take that on today. But then you let other people do that too. You let other people set that boundary and you say, okay, I get it. I get it. You know, and it's just that when you have those boundaries, you love yourself, they love themselves, and you can just really space. You allow space. You allow space to let them be them. Let them be human. Let them have a bad day. My son, the cat, uh, he got sick in his bed last night, and he was up in the middle of the night changing his sheets. You know, he's a teenager. He's a tired boy going to school today. And he sort of got snappy with me this morning. And I just giggled at him. And I said, oh, you're so tired, honey. You know, like, you know, let me, I'll go make you an egg. You go do whatever, you know, go do your class kind of thing. Because I can love on him and I can say, that is a tired boy. And anything he says to me right now is from his place of being tired. He loves me. He does not want to hurt my feelings. My husband loves me. He does not want to hurt my feelings. But he might have had a bad day at work. He might have had some really rough drive home. He might have gotten to an accident. You know, he might have had a moment that it's just like, I'm not feeling it today. Because I know I don't feel it sometimes. So when you give that other person just that, that space to say, you're, you're, you're hurting, we're going to walk away from each other and when we're ready to talk, we can talk, you know, and, and that honor. I always call that grace. You know, everybody deserves grace, but I also have a meter and I tell people when that grace is up, it has expired. I have to leave the building because I'm protecting you. So my grace, you didn't, you didn't, you don't ward out. So yes, but also you said something earlier about kids. My son just walked in and just threw me completely off. Um, but um, I always associate that with identity. My past life, I identified as a single mom. For 10 years, I was a single mom. And I talk about confidence in, in different ways because we have professional confidence. We have personal confidence. We have parenting confidence. We have body confidence. There's different levels of confidence. And my husband always looks at me. He's like, why aren't you confident? Like, you appear confident. And I'm like, I have different levels because I was always, if somebody said, hey, Anika, like, who are you? And I would say a single mom. 
Like that was my identity because I was protecting my flaws in every other area of my life. I was putting all my emphasis into my children. I felt like as long as I was giving everything to my children that they wouldn't feel the pain that I felt, you know, growing up or even as a woman or in the world that they would have confidence. They would have all the love to try to um, kind of overcompensate for what I knew was coming to them. You know, and so it's interesting that when we talk about self-love, I had a really hard time getting there because I felt like if I was loving myself, that was selfish. Even now, this morning, I went to an appointment and I stopped at the beach and I sat there and I just woosawed and I wrote all my thoughts down. And, and now I give myself permission to do those things. But before, I always felt like it was taking time away from them. If I got my nails or my hair done, it was taking money out of, you know, their pocket or food out of their mouth and all these things. And that's one of the reasons why I coach now because... It just feels so good to be able to have permission to love myself, to validate my thoughts, to validate who I am, you know, for people to say, you know, you're amazing or whatever. Yeah, we need to hear that. You know, it's don't assume that somebody's confident or that somebody doesn't need coaching or encouragement or whatever, just because we are who we are. We actually need it more because y'all talk about overflow. You can't give if you're empty. And so when y'all talk about overflow and abundance, I go straight to lack. I go straight to scarcity because the people that we're talking to, that's where they're at. So at the end of the day, yeah, we're here and we are still striving. I, I did a talk on expect abundance. We're still striving because we deserve that abundant life. Abundance is not monetary. It's freedom. It's alignment. It's, it's, you know, walking in your, your strength and your passion and your courage. And I'm listening to all of you guys who have these degrees and everybody laughs. Cause I was like, should I get my PhD? And they're like, you don't need it. And I'm like, yeah, but I need to be able to funnel that brainiactum, that research that, that <laughs> I gotta be able to do that. Cause there is still a piece of me that loves that knowledge and to be able to bridge the gap in policies and government and healthcare, you know, sectors and things like that. So that's, that's why I'm there. But I finally got it, the why of me doing it, not because I want to be Dr. Wilson, not because my mom has always inspired me and told me you better, you know, it's not because of that, but it's because I finally understand who I am and what my capability is and what I can do for others. So I'm just loving what we're talking about. I want to go to Sandra and then Cassandra. I see, I'm trying to say it right. Um, Sandra, you have anything to add to this conversation? I just think that this is an amazing conversation. Everything I'm sitting here going, having out of my experience because everything I've done, what Bree said, what Rebecca said, what everything, and I'm there now. You know, this is my second marriage. And one of the things I had to learn to do was communicate. Because I came from an abusive childhood. Then my first husband was abusive and all these other things. Well, my husband doesn't know all these things, right? He doesn't know that something could trigger me. He doesn't know that there's an ember still burning. He doesn't know these things. And so I had to finally communicate and tell him, you know, um, when you said that, this is why I reacted this way. When you do this, this is why this happened. And so, but it took me a while to get there because my first thing was fight or flight. Fight or flight. <laughs> and, yes, and it's like, no, you can't, you, you can't do, have the communication. And then I remember 
I think we were, because we're 17 years married now. And I remember, I want to say probably about three or four years ago, I had this like epiphany and I sat him down and I said, please don't take this the wrong way. But this is about Sandra now. I have to do me. And what that meant was, I still love you. But if my cup is empty, I can't be a good wife. I can't be a good mother. I can't be a good friend. I can't be a good bitch. I can't be nothing because I'm still doing what everybody else wants me to do, even in marriage. And although he never asked me that, because he said that, he said, well, I never said you to do that. That is true. But it was the paradigm <laughs> in my head that said that. And so I had to learn to say what I wanted in life and no period is a sentence you don't have to give an explanation or anything and i think as women we keep giving explanations no is a boundary <laughs> it is okay to say no it's okay not to answer that phone it is okay not to answer that text it is okay it is okay to not do anything if you don't want to it's even okay as entrepreneurs we have to take a nap in the middle of the day it's okay in order to fill our cup. And I had to learn that. And I didn't, I didn't have the best relationships growing up. I, I don't, people have high school friends. I don't have those. I don't know what that's like. I don't have high school friends. I don't have any of that. My friends came after I became an adult. I don't have those childhood things. I don't know how to, I didn't know how to do that. I had to learn. And so the healthy relationships is because I became healthy with me first. I learned to love Sandra first, and I disowned my titles as wife, mother, all those other things. I disowned those titles, and I don't describe myself as I am a wife, I'm a mother. No, I go, I'm funny, I like to laugh. <laughs> those were, that's what I say about myself now, because those are titles. And so I think when it comes to being healthy, we have to be kind to ourselves first, because you, don't, you can't be kind to somebody else until you practice on you first. That's a healthy relationship. It starts with me. And then I can be nice to Brie and smile or be nice to Rebecca you know, and, or Cassandra. Then, then I can go to another woman and, and, and just really earnestly be loving and, 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 and show that. So yeah, all of that communication, kind it starts with us first. Sandra, you messed me up because I had a point and I started shouting and I forgot what the point was. Um, I don't know, but disown your titles. I literally was writing a blog the other day about roles, about roles of women. I'm working on something, what women want. And then I'm, I'm working on the difference between roles and titles and expectations because I think that's where we get messed up. Because like you said, my husband literally said to me, I didn't ask you to do that. <laughs> I said, you asked me to marry you, which meant uproot everything that I built in one community, the church, my friends, my family, mm -hmm. uproot and move. It's an expectation just because you didn't ask when you asked me to marry. Yeah, you did. And then he says, you knew what you were getting into because I knew I was marrying into the military. Don't see. Exactly. See? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So communication is so real. And I, I had to check myself because I'm an open book. And so I felt like he knew what I was thinking and he knew how I felt because <laughs> I say what I think all the time. Mm -hmm. 
but I realized that I have to communicate differently. And I think my son's diagnosis and my children's diagnoses have kind of given me the, the insight that I need to be able to learn how to communicate with them differently. And now they're in this battle of, well, you treat her different, you treat her. No, I give them what they need. Because we have different levels of communications. We have different love languages. And even my circle. Oh, I was shouting because you said you don't have any high school friends. Man, I just started taking them all off my Facebook page. Because I'm like, I had them on there so that they could see that I am somebody. That no matter what they said back then, when they thought I was weird and a unicorn and a talk funny. And I wasn't related to anybody. And I didn't have friends. You know, I was a band geek. I was an IB. I struggled with my identity then because I didn't fit in. And I look at our kids doing the same thing. And now they got social media and they got more, more um, pressure, you know, to look a certain way or to act a certain way or to have friends and to build likes and all that crap. Um, it just, you know, I, I check myself daily because there are different things that we are taught to care about that I'm realizing I don't care about. That it does not make or break me and I'm over it. And we have got to give ourselves permission more often to be over more stuff. So, yes, I'm shouting to everything you said. I just literally want to just stop preaching because, yes, okay. So, I want to go to Cassandra and then uh, to Bree. Cassandra, do you have anything to add to the conversation? Thank you, Sandra. Yes, I'm loving this conversation. And I've taken away so many nuggets. Like there, Like you said something about, uh, you've had to cut out so many people from your life and I've had to do that especially you know people change after you lose a spouse because a lot of people gravitated towards my husband and uh, so and sometimes people hang out because oh they they want something from you and once they know that you can't get it they're gone or you don't agree with something that they say or they don't understand something a change you so they don't want to be bothered and so I don't I don't need that in my life and also um, about sometimes you're abused and you don't realize it. I know my first marriage, my husband, he was 10 years older than me. And I know sometimes they kind of can be like a father. They try to act like a father or they, they want to try to change things about you. You know, just make little suggestions or say things. Because now I feel like in my second marriage that things are just... I know I don't think before I knew how to be a wife, but now I know how to be a wife. And um, my current husband, you know, he was he was the bad boy turned mature. And when he knew me, I was I was very shy and I was very awkward. I was a nerd, but he was the one guy that that said, "Hey, I like you. I want to take you to prom." And he, you know, he accepted me for a time, but you know, peer pressure got to him, and he recognized that I was mature back then. And then come around about 30 years later, here we are. And he said something that um, another part, communication is very important because we always communicate, but that I don't um, judge him on his past because I could very well have done that. And then even going through life now, you know, going through life over the years, I didn't judge him on anything that he did because I kind of had similar experiences. So that's also important, being to accept your accept people for who they are and not judge them on their past is also, I think, makes a good relationship. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a spouse. It could be anyone, family. Absolutely. I completely agree with you, Cassandra. And I just wanted to um, 
foot stomp, what Anika mentioned, and you've said it a couple of times, but you didn't call it out as something that makes for a healthy relationship. And you say permission, healthy relationships give you permission to just be, to be yourself. Healthy permit gives you permission to do what is right for you. It gives you permission to unpack those old things. It gives you permission to say, nope, I need the time. And, and that is what healthy relationships looks like. So you kept saying it and I was like, nope, we, we got to hold on. We got a foot stomp on that one because that's what healthy relationships look like. They give you permission to fill in the blank, whatever it is that you need to do. The other thing that I really wanted to highlight, especially with this panel of amazing women, we talk about, y'all know I champion marriage, but let's talk about the healthy relationships woman to woman. Oftentimes, we always feel like we have to be so strong. We have to be heard. Our thing has to be in front. You gonna respect my authority. I'm gonna come in here. Woman to woman, I think that tends to be one of the more challenging relationships to be healthy because oftentimes our guards are up and it's hard to just see and acknowledge the beauty in that other woman. And I think with healthy relationships, this is a perfect example of it. Um, Anika, you, you said it yourself. We have some brilliant women on this panel and it's not that everyone is trying to get their point across, but we are all collectively shaking our head, agreeing, encouraging, and affirming on mute. <laughs> but it, it is a sign of people who are, personally healthy, able to see the beauty in another person and have a healthy relationship with other women. So a healthy relationship, woman to woman, giving that other woman permission to step out, to hold her up when she needs to be held up, to encourage her, to tap her on her shoulder and say, sis, you need to rest. You're doing too much. That's what healthy relationships look like woman to woman. And I'm grateful because this is a beautiful example of a healthy relationship in this conversation. All right. So Bree just brought up a whole new panel that I'm going to have to create. So coming soon. Uh, Cause look, when you were saying it, I was like, that's a whole new panel. That's a, that's a look, don't get on that. Don't get on colorism. Don't well, that's that I'm gonna have to bring it back and bring it back and bring it back and bring it. So, We'll just have to do it. So I want to thank all of you guys because we can go on and on and on. But as you guys know, there will be more to come. I want to thank you ladies for being here today for another edition of Your Voice, Your Power. Y'all, we just, we got into healthy relationships, but that's just, that's just a piece of it. Y'all know I'm going to have to bring it back. We're going to have to do a summit. We're going to have to put a little bit more juju on there, get some content in there. We're going to give you guys tips and tools, some worksheets. We'll work on it. But in the meantime, I want to thank you guys for being here. I want to thank the listeners and viewers for tuning into another edition of Your Voice, Your Power. I'm Anika Wilson. As always, stay powerful.